Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today we have another guest talking about female hormones and what they are, how to track them, why to track them, and how to adjust and adapt our exercise program in order to optimize our hormones, optimize how we feel and function. So my guest today is Krista Chernoff, and she is a family nurse practitioner and certified fertility awareness instructor. She has worked as a nurse practitioner in urgent care and primary care and found that women's health is truly her passion. During clinicals and grad school, she couldn't help but notice that women's health and fertility issues were brushed over and many women felt in the dark when it came to their bodies. Hello. I totally agree with this. I feel the exact same way, Krista. She said this motivated her to do extra training through the organization FEMM, Fertility Education and Medical Management, to better understand and treat women's hormonal issues from the root cause, as well as to teach women the basics of tracking their cycles for health and fertility reasons. She is currently my neighbor in Los Angeles with her husband and baby who is 14 months old, and she is working on creating a holistic hormonal health program for women. We talk about that a a little bit at the end, and I'll make sure to announce when that is ready for you all to purchase because I think it's going to be awesome. So in this podcast, Kristen, I talk about what hormones are, how they differ between females and males. She gets into our cycle and how there's different phases of our cycle and how you can track your own cycle, like what symptoms to look for, how your body's changing. And then based on that, she gives us recommendations on how we should exercise during specific phases of our cycle. We talk in generalities for those of you that aren't EVLA members. And then we also talk about our recommendations for EVLA members. And then finally, for those of you that don't have a cycle or don't menstruate. We talk about that a little bit too at the end. So for those of you that are on birth control or that are going through menopause, we touch on that at the end as well. So without further ado, let's welcome Krista. We're going to dive right in to hormones. So can you start with the basics? Talk about what hormones are and what they do in our body. And then I also want to ask you how they differ between women and men. Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like hormone is like a really popular word today. Uh, You hear it all everywhere, social media, your doctor's office, wherever. So basically what hormones are is you can think of them like chemical messengers. And what they do is they send messages to different parts of your body and produce uh, certain actions. And so each hormone exerts different effects on our body. So different hormones affect how we think, how we feel, what foods we're craving, our blood sugar, our moods, energy, our libido, so many different things. Um, And so that's essentially what our hormones are. Um, And in regards to women and men, we both have same hormones, but in varying amounts. And so this is like, clearly men and women are so different, but, um, you know, especially in regard to like exercise, this is why we function so differently. Um, So to put it into perspective, if you do a quick Google search and you like look up the graph of the monthly fluctuating hormones of men versus women, they look totally different. So men, for example, um, we all know men have more testosterone. They actually have about 20 times more testosterone than women and their levels fluctuate throughout the day. They um, have like more of a 24 hour cycle, but really over their lifetime, it looks kind of just like a quivering line. They stay pretty stable. Um, Whereas women, we do have testosterone 
Um, but we have much more fluctuating levels of estrogen and progesterone and the testosterone throughout the entire month. So we have like a 28 day cycle. Um, and if you look at the graph of our cycles, it looks much more like a roller coaster. So depending where you are in your cycle, your hormones are going up and down. And we have, as women, have about nine times more estrogen than men and two times more progesterone than men. So you can see in regard to um, you know, exercise or whatever effects you're talking about the hormones having, why we are so different than men. Yes. Yes. And I, I love that you mentioned, um, when we, um, kind of chatted via email earlier that, um, you know, much of the research as far as exercise research is done on men and Mm -hmm. they clearly are so different than us. And I think we're just starting to get, um, I think we're just starting in the fitness industry is starting to unveil that maybe we should, you know, work out based on our hormones and what's going on internally in our body. So can you talk about females specifically, why should we adapt our exercise to our hormones? Yeah. So, um, what you were just saying, there has been a huge male bias in like, especially exercise and nutrition research. Um, most of it's been done on men and, you know, only somewhat recently have they taken into account um, females' unique biology and its effect. Um, if anyone wanted to look up, Dr. Stacy Sims um, has is like a lead uh, sports researcher on that, and she's done um, a ton of research and has a book called Roar. And her thing is like women are not small men, um, and so you know research is still in the early phases. Some of it's been a little bit contradictory, you know, because there's so much room for more research, but they're continuing to study it because theoretically throughout the month, we have so many hormonal and mechanical changes going on throughout our cycle that it's just natural that the way it exerts its effects on our body, that it would have an impact on our exercise performance. Um, So, you know, as women, we tend to get sucked into believing that, you know, our bodies with having periods every month and whatever symptoms you may have going along with that. Like it can be, you know, a scary, shameful place. You're like, what the heck's going on? But luckily, as you mentioned, Shannon, the stigma is really starting to be addressed much more today. Um, and so, you know, my whole thing is knowledge is power. So by knowing about your body, um, you can feel a lot more empowered by it and know why, wow. Yeah. I'm feeling so energized these few days of this month or no, I'm, feeling really low. Why is that? Um, and so by, you know, tuning into what your body is telling you that can really help you to support your body. Um, and one way is through that, like through exercise and what you should be doing. So, yes. And I think that this really falls in line with kind of my philosophy around like meet yourself where you are and you don't mm-hmm. have to like hit it 110%. In fact, you probably shouldn't hit it 110% every single workout, every single day, because yeah. that's just not what our, as females, um, it's just not what our bodies are built to do necessarily. Um, so I think that having more education around this, it's about time mm-hmm. <laughs> we have more education. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I didn't always know all this information. I felt like the, at least, you know, sex ed when I was younger was, I didn't get the greatest uh, education on, you know, my body and my cycle and what the heck it's doing. And so, yeah, I always thought I need to go 110% every workout. I was always getting injured. Um, and I, you know, told you like, that's one reason I really like your platform is because it really is like, you need to listen to your body. You know, you don't need to go 
a hundred percent all the time, you know, and that really helps us as women because that's how we're made. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing wrong with working hard when you're feeling like you can, um, but it's like, it's what is the saying? I always screw the saying up, but, um, a peg in a square, like trying to shove a peg in a square hole. It's like that, that just doesn't really, it leads to burnout. Um, hormonally, physically, uh, mm-hmm. like our, our whole relationship around exercise. So, um, I think this discussion is really important. Um, can we get right into cycles and mm-hmm. kind of like specifically what are they? And, um, and yeah, get, get into, uh, what a female cycle looks like. Yeah. So, you know, you've probably heard of like your circadian rhythm. So your body's 24 hour biological clock that helps you regulate your sleep patterns. As females, we have an infradian rhythm it's called. So basically an infradian rhythm is a naturally occurring cycle in our bodies that lasts longer than 24 hours. So in females, that's our menstrual cycle. Um, and it's created by hormones released at various times throughout our cycle. Um, and so two hormones from the brain, which are follicle stimulating hormone or FSH and luteinizing hormone or LH, and then two hormones from the ovaries, estrogen and progesterone. And so the cyclical release of these hormones throughout our cycle creates four phases of our cycle. So I've been saying our cycle a lot. I guess I should first say our cycle is day one of your period. So day one of menstruation through the day before your next period for you know, a textbook woman, it's 28 days. That's not the case for most people though. Um, and so the release of these hormones creates four different phases. Um, our menstrual phase, which is roughly days one through five follicular phase, which is roughly days six through 14, your ovulatory phase days, 15 through 17 and your luteal phase days, 18 through 28. Um, and so basically during each phase, we have different hormones at play. So, you know, during your menstrual phase, your, um, the lining of your uterus is shedding, um, your hormone levels are dropping. They're at an all time low during this phase. Um, and it's important to look at this because it gives you a clue of what happened, um, with your hormones in the previous cycle, because what happens is throughout your cycle, that uterine lining builds up under the influence of hormones and then it sheds. So you know, if you have a normal one of three to seven days, you're like, okay, yeah, things are pretty good. If you have a super light one or a super heavy one, it's like, hmm, okay, maybe something is going on hormonally that I need to look into. Um, there's other causes as well, but that's one major cause. Um, the follicular phase is when our egg is starting to develop. Um, and the whole goal is one egg becomes dominant and it starts developing, producing estrogen um, to ovulate, you know, whether we are trying to get pregnant or not get pregnant, that's what our body is doing each month is preparing for a possible pregnancy. So during the follicular phase, our egg is growing, producing estrogen. Um, and the estrogen is slowly rising until it reaches, reaches a peak and it triggers what they call an LH surge. So if anyone's ever taken like an um, ovulation test strip in your urine, that's what it's testing for. And that's what actually triggers ovulation. So it triggers the release of the egg from the ovary. And that's what your ovulatory phase. And that um, is a pretty quick, you know, two to three days um, because the egg is released and it only lives 12 to 24 hours. Um, And then after that, after you ovulate is the last half of your cycle called the luteal phase. 
um, and your progesterone is produced during that phase. And um, your progesterone is the highest. And then at the end of it, if pregnancy or fertilization doesn't occur, then your lining sheds, your hormones drop, and you kind of start over again. So by, you know, without really tuning into our infradian rhythms, most women will notice the most prominent hormonal fluctuations going on, you know, via PMS the week leading up to your period or your period when you're actually bleeding. Um, But other shifts in hormones are occurring throughout our cycle that can affect our energy levels, our metabolism, our mental acuity, you know, how um, creative we're feeling, our mood, our immune system, our sleep habits, all of that type of stuff. Um, So, you know, by tuning into these shifts and knowing where we're at in our cycles by tracking it, that can really help us as women to like support our hormones and really function at our best. Amazing explanation. And I think that this also helps women feel like more justified when they maybe mm-hmm. don't feel so hot. They're like, I feel like I'm doing, cause I think a lot of women get frustrated. They're like, I feel like I'm doing everything right. I'm sleeping yes. well, I'm eating well, I'm exercising well, and yet I'm exhausted and I'm moody yeah. and I'm, I feel like I'm not recovering, but it, it almost gives us a level, of, like I said, justification. So yeah, this could be a really great reason to track our cycles, like you were saying. So mm-hmm. what are some cues that we can look for in our body to determine kind of which cycle we're in? Yeah. So the it's called like hormonal biomarkers or physical signs that we as women can see, you know, what's going on. So bleeding obviously tells you that you are in your menstrual phase, as we all know. Um, but then a lot of times, you know, that's kind of where our education is as women. So, um, there are a few different ways, um, that you can track your phases and your hormones of what's going on. So one is cervical mucus. So our cervix produces, um, this like thin, stretchy, clear type of mucus under the influence of progesterone or sorry, under the influence of estrogen. And so, um, at during our follicular phase up through our ovulatory phase, as your estrogen is rising, you will notice like, um, you know, when you wipe, when going to the bathroom, for example, you will notice that you have a cervical mucus that's produced. The closer you get to ovulation, the higher your estrogen is, the more it will look kind of like egg white type of, um, mucus. And so that is a cue to you that you are approaching ovulation and, um, you know, that egg is about to be released. Um, And then the last half of your cycle, when after ovulation has occurred, the progesterone is, which is the dominant hormone. It actually causes a barrier over your cervix um, that is antimicrobial and also sperm cannot get through. And so most women textbook um, have like a dryness. They don't experience any mucus. um, And they are also like infertile during this time because you physically can't get pregnant again um, during this time. And then another way that you can monitor the cervical mucus is one way your core or basal body temperature is another way. Um, you take it first thing in the morning, um, before you do anything, and that'll give you kind of like your core temperature. And what happens is after ovulation occur under occurs under the influence of progesterone, it causes your body temperature to rise 0.5 to one degree. 
Um, and that tells you that ovulation has occurred. So that's another way to track. And then also um, you can buy those LH testing strips or the ovulation predictor kits. Um, and what that does is that tests your urine for that LH surge to um, help tell you when ovulation is occurring. So those are three main ways um, of watching um, where which phase you're in. And, you know, kind of depending... It sounds like a lot, but first of all, I've been doing this for a few years and it kind of becomes second nature. And I don't always use, you know, all three of those because that's a lot. Um, and, you know, depending what your goals are, depends how intense women track. You know, if you're just kind of loosely trying to follow where am I at? What's going on with my hormones? What phase am I in? You know, you may not be tracking as closely. Um, whereas if somebody is trying to track to get pregnant or to avoid getting pregnant, then they might be tracking, you know, very diligently every single day. So it's kind of flexible based on what your goals are. But those are three ways that are um, good to observe. Amazing. And I want to get into once you've figured out where you are in your cycle, how we can mm -hmm. exercise to optimize that. But I want to quickly, before we get into that, you, you, we're hearing the term like hormone balance everywhere. Mm -hmm. Does hormone balance mean that you don't, like you're still having fluctuations, but overall you feel more level and good, or are some of these fluctuations like mood, uh, mood imbalances or cravings, or some of those other things are some of those other things, a sign that our hormones are balanced. I always get confused, but like, yeah. what does hormone balance mean? And what is kind of optimal? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause it really is like a hot term today. It's like balance your hormones. And you're like, I don't know what that means. Yes. So, yes. um, there's, yeah. So there's different hormones that like tons of different hormones at play in our body. Um, and they all have, you know, their designated jobs. So essentially hormonal balance means that everything's functioning smoothly and in turn, we feel good. So, you know, different hormones that need to be balanced are not only your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone, but your insulin, your, um, so like blood sugar, your cortisol, which is like the stress hormone. Um, we have different hunger hormones like leptin, um, ghrelin, GLP one. So, you know, these are all different ones that have different effects um, on our body, like I said before. And so there are, you know, when your hormones are balanced, you actually should, your graph should look like a roller coaster. You should have ups and downs of how you're feeling throughout the month. So, you know, some symptoms can be normal. So, you know, when you're feeling more tired during your period or right before your period, or maybe you know, you're more emotional than normal or you're craving certain foods or whatever. Yes, that can be normal um, and still mean that your hormones are balanced. But when things are um, extreme, you know, you're having terrible headaches or terrible period pain, um, really crazy mood swings, um, you know, that type of stuff, that could be a sign of an imbalance of your hormones. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I guess, to answer your question, you should kind of have the fluctuations, but nothing should, should be super extreme where, you know, you're feeling debilitated by some of these symptoms throughout your cycle. Got it. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to, to note because I think we think about hormone balance and we think that we should just be level and feel amazing mm -hmm. and energetic all the time when right. you're, you're saying that that might not necessarily be the case. It might actually be okay to have these fluctuations mm -hmm. and just adapt according to the, the fluctuations. Yeah. 
Okay. Awesome. Thank you for clearing that up. So what can happen if we are just ignoring the fluctuations of our body? We're just pushing right specifically as it relates to exercise, just pushing right past those signs of fatigue, those signs that, you know, maybe we should be dialing it back. What can Mm -hmm. happen hormonally? Like what can, what is the consequence of this? Yeah. So, you know, like we said before, we have to stop expecting our bodies to perform at the same level every day, because at least as women, you know, that's not, that's not going to happen based on how our bodies are. So, you know, every day of our cycle, our endocrine system is sending us cues about what our body needs, um, you know, through our mood, our energy levels, our libido, like what we've talked about. So, you know, listening to these helps us to achieve more, reach our health goals and, you know, even other goals. Um, and so, yeah, when you are feeling completely depleted and you're still pushing yourself that can, you know, cause more hormonal problems going on. Um, so in regard to exercise, I like to think of it two ways. Your exercise impacts your hormones and your hormones impact your exercise. So hormones that are impacted from exercise would be, you know, our insulin, our cortisol, estrogen, progesterone, serotonin, our epinephrine and norepinephrine. And so, you know, our daily physical movement and activities make a huge impact on the hormonal responses um, from our body. So, you know, our body, there's no one separate entity, our organs, our nervous system, our brain, everything works together and therefore, you know, are affected by um, changes. So, um, you know, exercising does have that powerful effect on balancing, you know, suppressing, increasing whatever certain hormones. So, you know, if you're pushing yourself too hard, pushing past where you feel capable of performing, you know, that can definitely affect, um, affect your hormones because of the impact on the ones that I told you. Um, also, you know, aside from that, I always think about times, you know, that I felt completely like depleted, usually for me, but right before I start my period or during my period. And then I still push myself to go to that class or do that intense workout, but then your body doesn't perform like you think it should. And so then you're just left more depleted, more discouraged. Um, and you know, you leave early or there's times I like went and was on the elliptical for 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, I literally cannot do this. And then I leave. And then you're just left feeling worse about yourself. Um, So, you know, physically and mentally, you know, it's not good to push ourselves too much as women. So, you know, the just show up and do it, there's definitely benefits to that, but also it can be a harmful message, I feel like at the same time. Yeah, I think, you know, it's important to stay consistent when you can. Of course, we're not saying mm-hmm. that there's not a time and a place for working hard and, you know, pushing yourself self a little bit. But yeah, it seems like you're saying that by ignoring these signals from your body, you can um, per, uh, exacerbate this big spike in hormones and this big roller coaster, which could send you mm-hmm. down, you know, perpetuating this imbalance, which could make you feel worse month by month. Um, is that yes. kind of what I'm picking up from you? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Amazing. Well, we, we started to touch on exercise a little bit. Um, and I want to get into how to exercise during kind of each phase, but can you talk about, you talked a little bit about what we should be looking for, um, with the mucus and with the body temperature, 
are there any other physical changes in our bodies, um, as it relates to exercise, like will our heart rate be higher or lower if we're in a certain phase or will our muscle activation be higher or lower if we're in a certain phase? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, like I said, our hormones affect our ability to exercise. So, you know, by supporting it, listening to it, you know, we can lose weight, we can build lean muscle, reduce stress, all of that. So, um, throughout our cycle, different hormones as they're fluctuating affect our metabolism, our heart rate, our breathing rate, our core body temperature, and our abilities to recover from exercise. So, you know, specifically, um, estrogen and progesterone have effects on our cardiovascular, respiratory, um, metabolic processes in our bodies. And these all have implications in our exercise performance and capabilities as women. Um, so yeah, if we, you know, break down the effects of these two hormones, estrogen and progesterone, cause those are kind of two major ones at play throughout our cycles as women, um, you know, and walk through what they do and, um, how they relate to each phases or cycle that can help give us loose guidelines on how to exercise and, um, support ourselves as women. So, um, I'll go ahead and get into each of these hormones if that's okay. Yes. Amazing. Okay. So estrogen, like I said, this is the main hormone during the first half of your cycle up until ovulation. And so estrogen is thought to have an anabolic effect on muscle. So that means, you know, it stimulates muscle growth mainly by, you know, increasing protein synthesis. Um, and so the metabolic effect of estrogen also lowers blood lactate levels, which results in less fatigue, um, possibly contributes to improved endurance and exercise capacity. Um, and just of note, we talked about this a little bit, Shannon, estrogen can cause increased laxity in muscles, um, which can um, increase the risk of injury. So, you know, ACL tears in females has been, um, or females are much more likely to have an increased risk of injury through ACL tears. And there's a few a lot of different components to it, but one of them that they, you know, are researching is in regards to hormones and just, um, females having way more estrogen than men. So, um, and then the other thing about estrogen is it's also a natural mood lifter. So, well, um, we have increased energy when we're in our, when our estrogen levels are high around ovulation and also increased just mental acuity and clarity during this time. Um, so then progesterone increases our core body temperature or your basal body temperature. So that's why after ovulation, if you track your temperatures every day, you see that increase. Um, and it also increases our baseline respiratory rate and heart rate. So this in um, different studies that they've done, women have reported to increase the subjective feeling of greater exertion or strain when exercising um, shown to have decreased athletic performance, especially in hot or humid environments. Um, especially if you know, you're into really intense exercising or competitive sports. Um, and you feel like you just have to work harder when your progesterone levels are higher. So if you felt just kind of more fatigued during workouts and stuff, especially towards the end of your cycle, that would be due to your progesterone levels being high. And then opposite of estrogen, progesterone is actually a catabolic hormone. This means that it reduces muscle protein synthesis and contributes to your tissue um, breaking down more. Um, so, you know, they said 
you might need to increase how much protein you're uh, consuming during this part of your cycle. Amazing. Amazing. That is a really great breakdown. I feel like having this understanding of our system is ultimately going to set us up for the application that we're going to talk about now. So, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but let's wrap it up in like a pretty little package of how you can exercise. So we've, we've tracked our cycles. We understand kind of where we are. How should you exercise in each phase? And can you also say, you know, generally how you should exercise? And then also, could you give an example of an envelope for the envelope members, give an example of an envelope class that someone could take in each phase? Yeah, that is great because all this information is great, but if you don't know what to do with it or how to apply it to your life, then, you know, what's the point? So, um, so with menstruation, our hormones are actually at an all time low during this time. Um, during menstruation and the early follicular phase, uh, some people say that, you know, you're most comparable to a man during this time because our hormone levels are so much lower. Um, but many women experience symptoms such as, you know, fatigue, breast pain, cramps, mood swings during this time. So, you know, I'd recommend don't push yourself too much during this phase. Your energy levels are low. You really need to focus more on rest and recovery. Um, and especially at the beginning of your, um, of your period. So, you know, I'd recommend just stretching during this time, uh, walking outside, doing some yoga. And then at the end of menstruation, as your hormone levels are starting to rise, you can start increasing, you know, the intensity of your workouts gradually, if you're feeling up to it. Uh, so for Evelo members, you know, this would be a great time to take one of the, um, yoga classes that they offer, or I know you guys have some meditation now. Um, so those would be two really good ones to do during, you know, that time of the month. What about like a, what about during this time, like a body weight Pilates or bar class, would that be more appropriate for someone that wants to continue to like strength training yeah. even during this phase? Yes. Yeah. So I would say, you know, if you're feeling good and you want to continue, um, be consistent and continue with your strength training, I would say definitely like the Pilates or the bar build would be really good ones to do. Yes. So maybe yeah. just maybe like continuing with the strength training, but not, you're not like lifting your heaviest or like PR, exactly. like trying to PR. Yeah. You're just like using body weight, going slow, like yep. not pushing. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. It. And it's just, you know, these are also, you know, loose guidelines. So definitely listen to your body. Cause I know, you know, month to month, I have different variations of how good or maybe more fatigued I feel when I'm on my period. So sometimes I'm like, yeah, I, I want to keep doing it. So definitely one of your, um, maybe burn classes are the ones without the, yes. yes. Okay. Yes, so correct. yeah, like one of those, you know, where you're not lifting your heaviest and not, you know, going for your major goals at that time would be, would be good to yeah. continue. Yeah. Or for you, Evelyn members, you could even take like lower body, but like, just don't maybe don't like use a ton of weight or maybe just use yeah. body weight and just, yeah. Like you could adapt your schedule. And even if you're not an Evelyn member, you can adapt your schedule so that you're still resistance training a little bit in a mm-hmm. light way so that you can kind of keep your progress, but yeah, just not like going ham on the weights. Yes. Yes, Exactly. Um, so then your follicular phase, which is, you know, the end of menstruation leading up to ovulation, um, during those first two weeks of your cycle, um, is when your hormones are low, but then they're starting to rise your estrogen starting to rise. So your resting metabolic rate is lower during this phase. 
This means you burn fewer calories while you're resting. You may not feel as hungry um, during this phase. So your estrogen is starting to, to surge and your testosterone, I haven't talked a ton about testosterone, but it's actually starting to climb during this phase also. And so due to these hormones, you're likely to feel a lot more energized, able to perform endurance exercises. You don't fatigue as easily. And then not necessarily related to exercise, but you know, you may also feel an increase in mental acuity, feel more motivated, more social. Um, so, you know, this is when I would recommend ramping up the energy of your workouts or even try a new workout. So doing, um, for Evlo members, you know, doing some of your, uh, cardio burst workouts in addition to, um, you know, maybe during the previous week when you were on your period, you just did the lower body with your body weight. And then the next week you're starting to have a lot more energy. So you start, um, increasing your weight and then adding, you know, that cardio burst at the end or, um, you know, for outside of that, if you have any other things you like to do, like going on a run, um, cycling, anything like that, that's just a little higher energy is the time now to do it. And you also recover more quickly during this phase, your muscles do than in the second half of your cycle, which I get into. And then this leads right into the ovulatory phase, which is when estrogen is peaking. So it's the last couple of days of that follicular phase. Um, and your energy is at an all time high. So, you know, just kind of keep up this, this momentum, um, you know, do the hit workouts that your body's craving, um, and the strength training, you know, maybe you're doing a little bit higher weightlifting during this time. I think something really important to ask you and clarify is, mm-hmm. um, people are going to hear like ramp it up during this week and which like, I, I want, I think that's awesome, but mm-hmm we still need to like be listening for recovery cues. And if oh, you yeah. are doing too much, like this isn't the time to like throw everything yes. at it and do, <laughs> do like hours and hours of exercise. We're not saying no, that, yeah. right. So right. we're just saying like, maybe ramp it up a little bit, but still listening to those cues of your body, like the following day. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Don't take this as like, all of a sudden you're not doing anything and then you're going out and running 10 miles or you're doing three Evlo workouts. Cause you're like, I need to work out for an hour and a half. It's more of like, yes. yeah, you're, you're increasing the weights that you're doing during these, or maybe you're doing the extra 10 minute cardio burst class, you know, dependent on where you are in your fitness journey too. You yes. know, if you haven't ever incorporated any car- cardio and you're not ready for that, then definitely don't do that. But yes. 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 I just wanted to give that little disclaimer. <laughs> Cause I think some people hear that and they're like, okay, I'm going to like work out for three hours. Yeah. Every day week. Yes. Yes. No, definitely don't do that. So. <laughs> yes. Good. Good. Um, okay. Continue. So then the last half of your cycle, the last couple of weeks is your luteal phase. And this is when your progesterone is dominant. Um, your estrogen still is high, but the progesterone is even higher. Um, and so progesterone, I like to call the nesting hormone, your energy levels decline during this phase. Um, you're just feeling maybe not as much energy, Remember we talked about, you have an increase in your, um, core body temperature, your, um, baseline respiratory rate and your heart rate. So working out may feel a little bit harder. You might fatigue more easily. Um, if you're seriously training, you know, doing training outdoors, um, that require more endurance, you know, you're training for a half marathon or something like that, you know, it might be a little bit harder, especially if in your hot or humid environments. So Um, And then also because of the effects of progesterone, our muscles don't recover as quickly as in the first half. So um, 
I would focus on exercise wise, you know, more low intensity strength building, and then also incorporating, you know, long walks, yoga, like I said before. Um, and so with, uh, the Evlo workouts, I would say, you know, continue what you're doing with the, the build classes and the burn classes, whatever's on your schedule, but just listen to how your body's feeling. If maybe you're not feeling like you can lift the heaviest weight that you did the week or two before, you know, that's okay. And just listen to your body and maybe, you know, step it down a little bit or only do the strength training and don't do the cardio after that type of thing. Got it. So this might be a week that you could potentially add an additional recovery day where you're just walking mm-hmm. yes. and how, and I know that my audience might, might have this question too. How does this week differ exercise wise from the first week? Um, with menstruation, as far as like recommendations for exercise during these oh, two okay. weeks, how do we differentiate? Gotcha. I would say most for most women, I would continue exercising during this phase um, with the low intensity strength building, the walking, the yoga. And if you're to take a time where you take a few days off, which before I would have been like, oh my gosh, a few days off of exercise, but especially, you know, doing your classes, Shannon, has really helped me change my mindset, which was really hard. Um, And then also learning, learning the stuff about my hormones. I would say giving yourself time to rest is more important during your menstrual phase. Um, whereas continuing just doing the, um, you know, maybe lower, lower intensity strength training, the yoga, the walking, that type of stuff would be, um, good during the luteal phase or the last half of your cycle. Got it. Okay. So if you're going to add a couple extra recovery days, maybe it's during week one of your menstrual menstrual cycle instead of week. got it. Exactly. And during this time also, um, your, I mentioned your resting metabolic rate is higher. And so that means that we burn more calories during this phase. And so we require more calories daily. So I don't know if any of you have ever felt hungrier right before your period. And you're like, Oh my gosh, why do I just like keep feeling like I can't get full? And that's because of our resting metabolic rate. We have an increased appetite and we should eat more. You should, you know, be consuming some more calories, ideally you know, healthy calories and not necessarily binging on like Ben and Jerry's ice cream. But, um, so yeah, this is the reason why you feel hungry before your, um, period starts. And so, you know, recommend, um, especially if you're continuing to work out, increasing your protein, your complex carbs to really help fuel yourself and then, um, staying hydrated with plenty of fluids as well during this phase. Got it. Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So let me just summarize all of that. And you check me to make sure that I'm, I am (laughs) doing a good job. So the phase one, phase one is menstruation phase where, um, maybe this is from what I'm gathering is our lightest kind of exercise week. Um, we're feeling lower. Um, you might just do some walks or some gentle yoga. You could do some, some strength training classes, but not trying to push the weight, maybe add in a couple extra recovery days. Phase two is when your hormones are the highest, correct? And Mm -hmm. you're feeling the most energetic. So you maybe might add, you know, you might lift a little heavier that week, maybe add a couple of HIIT workouts. And then week three is probably where you would want to continue with the low uh, impact strength workouts, less HIIT, um, but just like steady consistency. Did I get that right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And 
Um, another one I, I thought about this, uh, when you were talking was, you know, your, your flow and strengthen one, um, kind of gets your heart rate moving a little bit. So that could be a good one to do during, you know, the follicular and ovulatory parts, um, that first half of your cycle as well. Yes. Okay. That is super good. Yeah. Cause we have on Thursdays, we have three different clients, bar flow and strengthen or yoga. So what's great yeah. is like, depending on where you are in your cycle, you exactly. could pick, you could choose any between those classes. So yeah, that's awesome. For sure. Well, let's talk real quick before I let you go about those who don't menstruate. Um, maybe they are, you know, maybe it's birth control related or menopause. Do those women still have fluctuations in hormones? And if so, is it still beneficial to track your cycle? Yeah. So, um, if you are on, I would say it's, it's, um, or let me get into this first. So if you are on birth control, no, you are not having those monthly fluctuations in your hormones. Cause essentially what it's doing is it's, um, suppressing them and it's shutting down that part of your system. And you're getting, depending, you know, there's obviously various types of birth control and they act different on your body. So, but a lot of times what you're getting is a uh, synthetic form of a hormone and it's a steady dose. So you could think of it kind of like, you know, I said, men's hormones throughout um, the month are pretty stable women with a lot of, like, if you're on the pill, for example, um, you're getting kind of a steady state of some synthetic hormones. And so your period is not actually a true period. It's more of just a withdrawal bleed from those hormones. And so you wouldn't be able to track those hormones because you're not getting those fluctuations. So, you know, you won't be seeing the changes in your temperature and the mucus and, um, experiencing all of what the hormonal fluctuations do for our bodies. But, you know, I would say that you could, you know, it's always beneficial for our lifestyle to, um, be watching our body and monitoring how our body is feeling in regards to workout and nutrition. So, um, if you, if anybody is on it and wanted to look at more, you could look up Alyssa Vitti's book, woman code. And she talks about how it's still beneficial to, um, you can sync your cycle in a way as in just following, you know, okay, days one through seven, I'm going to do this. Um, you know, like I would, if I were menstruating and then for the follicular and ovulatory phase, you know, days six through 14, I'm going to ramp up my workout. So you're kind of living in a cyclical manner, getting good exercise and nutrition. And then, you know, if, and when you want to come off of, um, the, whatever birth control you're on, if you ever decide to do that, you know, then you already have those, um, systems in place to kind of help support you as you're transitioning off of it. Um, and then for women in menopause, um, yeah, tracking your cycle would look, you want, well, you don't have a cycle anymore. I guess perimenopause things will get, um, your hormones will fluctuate a lot. And so if you've been tracking your cycle that can help navigate you during this time, because, you know, you'll have, um, you know, drastic changes in your hormonal levels. So that can kind of help give you, um, by tracking that along with your symptoms, it can help women know better what's going on and going to their doctors, how that can support them. Um, but it wouldn't look the same as, you know, the 28 day cycle. Um, but same thing as with the, um, for women who are on birth control, you know, just having those systems to kind of nurture your body in place could be beneficial in that manner. 
Yes. Love it. That makes sense. It's all about just from what you're saying, and we gave you a lot of information in this podcast. Um, and from what you're saying, it's kind of just like what I preach all the time is just like, listen, like take a second, listen and just adjust and don't be afraid to change what was on your plan originally because you were feeling certain way. Um, I think our ability, I always say like our ability to adapt to what's going on in our life is an Mm -hmm. indicator of our success long-term. Um, yeah, I think that with like really everything like relationships, exercise, nutrition, all of it. So, um, I think that's awesome. Anything else that you want to add about this? We went through so much. This is extremely educational. Yeah. I always tell women, you know, this is so much information and you might be leaving this being like, Oh my gosh, information overload, especially if you're not familiar with any of it before. And so, you know, it's always, I always say, take it in like big picture at first and, you know, chip away at it in bite-sized pieces. So, you know, it all starts, like you said, listening to your body, start tuning into what's going on, how you're feeling. There's probably a reason why you're feeling like that, whether it's energy, mood, foods, you're craving that type of stuff. So start by just like listening and then, you know, gradually get more into, you know, if you're wanting to track and wanting to adjust, you know, your exercise or your nutrition. So, you know, just start by really listening to your body and, um, you'd be amazed at how much better you will feel by just tuning into that and not just pushing through all the time. So much better. Your joints, your hormones, life just goes better. I love that. Yeah. So Krista, can you tell us where our audience can find you? Yeah. So, um, I think Shannon will link it on the page, but I have um, an Instagram where I just provide some education at Krista Chernoff FNP. And I also have a website, www.kristachernoff.com. Um, I right now and in the past have worked with women one-on-one outside of um, clinic helping track their cycles, but I am currently working on kind of revamping it all and creating um, a holistic hormonal lifestyle program for women to help people, um, you know, balance their hormones so they can have increased energy and vitality, um, just overall in their life. So, um, you know, follow me on Instagram and check out my website. Um, you can contact me through my website if you have any questions and be looking out for that program coming out. Yes. And we will make sure to, um, help promote you when that does come out. Cause I think a lot, a lot of my audience, me included will be interested in that. And, um, and using the tools that you provide. So this awesome. is awesome. Thank you so, so much for coming, Krista. I know my audience. Yeah. Thank love you for this. having me. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Shannon. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this podcast with Krista and we will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye.